Hello friends and thank you for joining us today. Uh, we are going to be blessed today with KJ and he's going to be <laughs> continuing <laughs> in the book of John as we dive into chapter four. Um, hey, if you have not downloaded our app yet, make sure to do that. There's lots of things going on here and that's a great way that you can stay connected throughout the week. Also stick around, Pastor Dudley Brown and I are going to be talking with KJ afterwards for a conversation. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm glad to be here, and I'm very honored to continue on our sermon series on the book of John. And over time, I have uh, been asked a ton of times uh, about the favorite Bible verse that I have. And I think it's like because people, uh, you know, people think that I'm a pastor, I should have a favorite b Bible verse. And, you know, like, oh, you're a pastor. I don't know how to talk to you. Uh, tell me your favorite Bible verse. And so I haven't really had a favorite b b Bible verse because there's like this feeling that I have that if I like circle a favorite, then there are all the other things out there that I didn't circle, that, that, that I am saying those things, they aren't. Uh, I don't gravitate towards them. And so, so I've had a very hard time as far as how to answer the question. So tell me your favorite Bible verse. Um, but I think the other day, so I hit it. Like it was like, oh, so if I absolutely had to, if if someone says, you have to tell me, tell me your favorite Bible verse, a verse that kind of like, so after hearing it, it like inspires, you know, like soul, feeling, fire, hope, dreaming, that sort of thing beyond the idea of like, here's something cool about God or here's something cool that's, you know, like a concept. It's like, here's something that, touches who I am. And the verses, it's Isaiah 32, 4. And in Isaiah 32, 4, it isn't probably a very popular passage for people that don't have a speech impediment. Uh, but for people who have speech impediments, Isaiah 32, 4 is like something that causes this feeling of hope. Uh, it says just simply, those who have a stammering tongue are going to speak clearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's my, that's, um, it's something I've held on to for a long, long time. It's like this passage that I feel like it sees me. Um, it sees the thing that, that, that I have a hard time in. It's, it's the, those who have a stammering tongue are going to speak clearly. There's something about those passages that speak to a core pain or brokenness or, or just the depth beyond just theology. And then they insert hope. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, but it's, it's kind of, but from a positive perspective, it's like, yes, I see that you have a speech impediment, but all things are going to be made new. Um, yes, I see that you st stutter and you can't speak clearly. However, you are going to someday. And there's something that just like, that like creates the essence of, of hope for a very simple thing that the average person is like, oh, that's not a big deal. But out of everything in the Bible, that's something I gravitate towards and I like hold on to. And the Bible, the Hebrew people, the prophets, 
have a ton of those passages that they have held on to. It's this, this uh, yeah, but posture. Like the prophets are, are big in this idea of saying, I see you. I see the, the things you're going through. I see, you know, the oppression that is upon you. I see the injustice that are happening. However, here's what is to come. I see the pain. I see the broken. I see the blind. I see the depth. I, I see the par, paralyzed. I see, you know, like the sickness. I see the poor. But there's a day that all of this is going to be made new. And the book of Isaiah is, is all about like this, yeah, but posture. Yeah, I see things here are really, really difficult, but there's a time that is coming. And there's this like inspiring heartbeat. And I'm bringing up the book of Isaiah here because I believe that the gospel of John is really, really inspired by it. So, so, so the author of the book of John is John, and, and John is Jewish, and, and a, a, a part of the, the Jewish holy books are the prophets, and he is well-versed in the book of Isaiah. And a bunch of the things that he points at throughout his gospel comes from the book of Isaiah. And so, and, and so be thinking about the things um, as they're being talked about that John, John is talking about different signs and healings and prophecies and really cool things. What is he pointing towards? So, so in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 35. Uh, chapter 35 is something that kind of is like this, this very compressed, uh, like heartbeat, prophetic thing of the book of John. Here it is. Give strength to the hands that are tired and the knee to knees that tremble with weakness. Tell everyone who is discouraged, be strong and do not be afraid. God is coming to your rescue, coming to punish your enemies. The blind will be able to see and the deaf will hear. The lame will leap and dance and those who cannot speak will shout for joy. Streams of waters will flow through the desert. The burning sand will become a lake and dry land will be filled with springs. Where jackals used to live, marsh grass and reeds will grow. There will be a highway there called the road of holiness. No sinner will ever travel that road. No fools will mislead those who follow it. No lions will be there. No fierce animals will pass that way. Those whom the Lord has rescued will travel home by that road. They will reach Jerusalem with gladness, singing, and shouts of joy. So if I am a Jewish person and I am heavily influenced by the prophets, Isaiah 35 is something that I'm like, holding on to. Like there is a day that the blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, those that are paralyzed are going to 
dance. And there will be a clear path in the Hebrew territories going home to the holy city, binding us all together, and there will be joy. And I think John begins in that heart posture of hope, because it seems that all of the passages that have been talked about up until this point have been all about, it's true. It's true. There's a gospel at hand and gospel is telling the good news. It's the thing that everyone is hoping to be true is actually true. And so I feel like that's the thing that John is, is trying to do in his gospel. So um, our passage today is John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. Uh, so it's a pretty big chunk, and it's really cool. And the things that have brought us here have been covered in the sermons before this. So if, if by the end it's like, man, I'm dying to hear everything before this, go back. There's plenty of time. It's on the internet. Just do it. Okay, so here's the passage for today. It's going to be fun. All right. Here we go. After the two days, he left Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that the prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast because they had been there too. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him, begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servant met with him and the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as time, when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. So he and the whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. All right, so, so this is a really fun, big story that, um, that's very popular, that people talk about how Jesus healed. And, and something that's really fun about the book of John is he just doesn't bring up healing to show the power of God or, or the power of Jesus. He's trying to paint bigger pictures of things. And so today I'm going to talk about geography. I'm going to talk about signs and symbolism. I am going to talk about who these different characters, that, that, who they are. And then I hope that all of us can apply everything to our own hearts and the things that God is doing here in this place and all the places that you are. So, um, so the first thing that happens is, is it says that 
Jesus is coming up from Judea and then goes up to Samaria. And from there, he spends two days there in Samaria and then comes up to Galilee. So he's coming up to Galilee on the third day. So John, um, on the third day, he actually performed his first thing in Cana also. And there are other things throughout the gospel of John that he does on the third day too. So anytime there's the third day or after the second day, it's it's, it's kind of like John is saying, hey, um, circle this. This is going to be big. This is really important. Pause a little bit and go through this passage slower. So I'm going to kind of do that and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. It just isn't a simple healing of Jesus. This is happening on the third day. And John is pointing at it like there is something really brilliant that's going to happen. And so, so the passage begins here on the third day. He's coming up from some area to Galilee. So I'm going to draw over here just a bit of geography to talk about the country of Galilee because geography is typically important. So if the author of the book of the Bible is pointing out a specific place, they're doing that on purpose. So I want to just draw that out here just just for some help for all of us. Okay, so um, down here, I'm going to say is Judea. Judea. And so in Judea, it's like, um, it's the place that tons of holy things happen. Uh, Here was the birth of Jesus. Um, Here is the holy city. Um, There's a whole bunch of just like the very orthodox holy things happen in Judea. And then over here is Samaria. I don't, Mary. I don't know. I'm a really bad speller. So if that's spelled wrong, tough. All right. And then up here is Galilee. Again, bad speller. Um, so how do I spell Galilee? There's two. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So up here is, is the country of Galilee. Um, so we have Judea. Holy things happen here. Um, let's do holy. And then here, horrible things happen. So the holy people hate these people. Okay. Um, so they are like these hybrid people and the Jewish people, they value purity, um, a clear path. And so in the center of Judea and Galilee, you have this huge territory that, that the Judeans don't ever go into. And, and furthermore, the people from Galilee also do not go into. So typically, if, if someone is going from Judea to, to here, the thing they're going to do is they're going to bypass and go up in. Okay, But be, before our passage of today, there was this there was this talk that 
Jesus had gone into here, he felt called to, and he even said that he had to go here. And so instead of bypassing it, he came from here and then he came here. So he created this path and then then the place that our passage begins today happens here. So, so, so he takes a path dr- directly up here instead of this bypassing path. So from the holy city to here, and then he finds himself here just across the border. So in our passage, then it talks about a place that this guy comes down because his son has fallen very, very ill and he's on his deathbed. And he is from a place called Capernaum. And Capernaum is all, it's up here. And so typically people don't very often go up here. It's like, there's a hub here. And then up here, it's this like far, very far off place. But this is the top of the Hebrew territory. Uh, There is a huge culture gap between the people down here in Judea and the people up here. It's like, um, so down here, it's kind of like, you know, going to San Francisco. It's, it's the, you know, everything is done, done like how it should be done. It's correct. It's very, it's the inner city of things. It's upper class. It's brilliant. Up here, it's kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't want to like talk bad about people, but, but it's the opposite of San Francisco. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, they talk very differently. There's the accent, the, the education is different. The theology is different. The, there's a whole of their ball game that is happening up here. And Jesus himself, he grew up here. And so he spent all of his time here being taught and growing in this culture. And then he came down here and had, yeah, it's just, okay. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. So here's the overall country that is being talked about. Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, and then Capernaum. Capernaum is very important. It's been pretty untouched at this point. So, um, so as the passage continues here, it talks about that Jesus came back. So he had been here before and he's coming home and he has like a, the power, power of a holy prophet at this point because the, the people from his home territory had been in Judea during the time that the Passover feast had been happening because during the holy festivals and and things that happen, it all happens down in the holy city. So this entire territory is going to come down here and they take a pilgrimage down there. And who who are the people that are being taken advantage there at the temple of? The time that Jesus got angry and turned over the tables. Uh, so, so our sermon was talking about like there are people that are being taken advantage of 
it's the people coming from all from up here. With, it's people from his hometown, his friends, his family who are being taken. And they all had been there in the holy city feeling tiny, powerless, um, being taken advantage of. And there is Jesus turning over the tables, fighting on their behalf for integrity and truth. And they had been there. And that's important. So it isn't this separate train of thought that he has to come up and prove himself. In fact, he already had proven himself. The passage says they accepted him because they had been there at the Passover. Passover festival. And that's important. So it's like he's coming home. There's a homecoming and people are excited to see him as as he truly is. He's a hero in this territory. And so so the passage is going to continue at that point. So um, help me out here. At 46, Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Okay, so there is this certain... this certain guy who has a ton of power who is coming down from Capernaum to uh, to Cana. I'll put that on there, to Cana. And so Capernaum. And he comes down to Cana because his son is sick. He is on his deathbed. And, and who this guy is, uh, by the the end that the passage has, it talks about his whole household. And um, he is someone who holds power. He is someone who holds a ton of the, the authority. Um, and then to think about his household, it, it goes beyond uh, simply the people at home. It's all of the people he has the authority over. You think about a king and a king's household will be his entire territory. So, um, so, so all the people he oversees, that's a household. And so there's this guy whose son is sick and he isn't Jewish um, because because the part that he plays, they're an authority. And he's coming down from Capernaum because he had heard of who Jesus, who he is, and the power that he has, and the ability that he has, and his son is on the deathbed, and he comes down from Capernaum to Cana. And there's something really cool about that, because to go from Capernaum to Cana, it takes about 48 hours. And the 48 hours is very important, um, kind of as I pick it apart, kind of as this passage happens. So 48 hours, he, he, he encounters Jesus, and then he begs Jesus, heal my son. And there's something that's so cool about like someone begging for something. It's the passion. It's the heartbeat. Like here's a father's heart begging for his son to be healed. And 
so is he for sure about that, that he has the power to heal? I don't know, but he's doing his best, pursuing his best path, and he's praying really hard at the feet of Jesus for the healing for his son to have. And here's the things that happen. So he is begging, heal my son. And here's the thing that, that, that is said to him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. Okay, I want to pause here because so every time I've heard that, every time I've heard this passage, it feels shaming. So here's a, a, a guy who's like, my son is dying and he travels 48 hours for his son to be healed. And then here's God himself. And the only thing he can say is, ugh. So people are just begging for signs all the time. And if they don't have signs, they're not going to believe who I am. And I've always interpreted from that posture, this posture of shame, like, oh, do I have to show you something else? That isn't the tone that is happening here. So the gospel of John, it's all about these signs. It's all about the big things. It's all about telling the testimony of what Jesus is doing. And the thing that is so cool about this passage is he is talking to the father, but at the same time, he's saying, you people. And here's the thing I think is really, really cool, because the thing that is about to happen is, uh, how do I say this? The thing that is about to happen is Jesus doesn't do anything. So there's a big crowd of people standing there. And then there's a guy from Capernaum. And this crowd of people is, are excited that Jesus is here because he's like a hometown hero now. And there's this guy from Capernaum saying, heal my son. And he points at him and says, you people have to see it. You people have to see it to believe who I am. And it's almost like this open door because he isn't talking to the people who surround him because the thing he tells this guy to do is go home. And so the people there in this context do not see anything. There isn't anything that happens at that point in time in place. The father is begging him, heal my son. And he says, you have to see it to believe who I am. And he says, you people, who is he talking to? Because there's just a single guy standing in front of him. He's talking to his household and he's seen, he's seen all the people that they're standing behind this guy who, who are taking care of his son at that point in time. And he's talking to, to, to a people who at that point can't see or hear Jesus at all, but really hope he exists. Because there's a ton of us that are in that spot. And he tells the guy, your son will live. You got to see like the compassionate heart of Jesus here. This is not a shaming passage. This is a power passage. He's sending the father 
home and he has hope. And he says, your son will live. And he sends the guy home. The passage says, he took Jesus at his word. There's something really powerful there. Because this, this guy travels 48 hours to encounter Jesus on the behalf of his son and his household. And Jesus sees him and says, you people need a sign. And then the, the guy takes Jesus at his word and begins his journey home. Here's the part I think it gets powerful. And it's the part that people don't often talk about. It's the journey home. It's, there is a 48-hour time period between here and here that this guy is going home by himself, taking Jesus at his word. What is he feeling? Because probably it's so easy at that point to be like, yes, I believe I'm in. Like he spoke it, it's gonna happen. But after a couple hours and I'm heading home by myself, I'm just like, wait a second. I, he didn't say I promise or wait a second. I don't have any tangible evidence. I can't, he couldn't just call home and say, so is, is he healed yet? Like, did it work? Right? Like there's a ton of things that are happening in this time and place. And there's, there's like this feeling born in his heart that's like, man, as a father, there's this idea of hope that, 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 that I think he's kind of like, man, I really hope he was telling the truth. I hope um, that I can take him at his word. I hope, but wait a second, could he already be dead. Uh, hold on a second. Could that whole thing, could he just be pushing people from a pernium out of here and saying, I'm going to focus? Like, there's so many things that could be happening going through this guy's head kind of as he is journeying home. I don't see him just like so excited to get home because his son's going to be here. Like, it's like this, all right, hope. Hoping in what? Hoping in that he is who he says that he is and who people are saying that he says that, that, that he is. He's the guy in Isaiah chapter 35 who the blind, the blind are going to see and the deaf are going to hear and the, the people who can't talk can talk. And, and there's going to be this holy path from combining all the Jewish territories and the, to the holy city and joy. And there's this idea of hope and all the signs are pointing to he is who he says he is. And the book of John is called the book of signs because there are value of signs and in Judaism, the value of signs. And, and this is a sign. So here's something that's, that's so cool about the book of John. A healing is not just a healing. In fact, there are seven signs in the book of John. And the, the signs kind of follow this pattern. So here are the signs. So at first, it's the water into wine. Uh, wine. Then it's the story of the official son. 
then it's the healing of the paralyzed guy. Guy. We'll just say guy. Then over here, there's this holy thing that's the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? So, so people actually say it's the breaking of bread. It's the breaking open of God's word, as they say, taking Jesus at his word. Okay, so we got the, the turning of the water into wine, the official son, the healing of the paralyzed guy, the feeding of the 5,000, and then it's the healing of the blind man, blind man, and then praising of Lazarus, and then the big one, Resurrection. Okay, can't, can't spell. So there is, there are these common themes that are taking place here, and they follow this pattern. Um, boom and boom and boom and boom, and these two go together. And the turning point is the breaking of bread and this holy feast in the center. And, and so, if I had to summarize the two of these from a chiastic perspective, uh, it's transformation. And if I had to sum summarize these from a holy perspective, it's death to life. And th then if I had to, to combine these, it would be healing. And then if I had to just simplify th this, it would be taking Jesus at his word. <laughs> okay, so, so here's the importance of this chiastic pattern. It's, it's the point is not to just simply bring healing. The point for Jesus and John is to bring death to, to life, to bring dead people back from the dead dead and, and to transform. It's, it's the breaking of bread. It's the encounter of Jesus. It's this journey that happens and put yourself on this 24 hour period of journeying for this guy who's saying, I hope he got healed. But this 24 hour journey is not about just the healing. It's about bringing dead things back to life. It's about transforming. It's about Isaiah 35 saying there is a holy time that is coming that God is going to be here and bring everything together and the blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, the paralyzed eyes are going to dance and there will be joy and people can come home. That's what's happening here through, through all of these signs because a sign points to something beyond itself. So put yourself on this 24-hour period of, is he who he says he is? Is he going to do the thing he promised to do? How's it going to pan out? I don't know. And I said 24-hour period, even though it's 48 hours here, because the passage ends by talking about how his servant hurried down from Capernaum to tell him that his son had been healed. And so his servant comes down from Capernaum as he was coming up and they came together and picture the servant 
picture the sermon. He is like hustling down this path. He's been going for 24 hours and he says, your son is better. Is he surprised? Yes, I would say absolutely. Or he's relieved or he's like, oh my gosh, it worked. Or, oh my gosh, yes. Or I was starting to doubt or what? And, And thinking about all the things he was holding on to in this journey home. And some of us on that path, all of us find ourselves in places of, do I believe? Do I have faith? Can I take him from the things he said? Did I break the bread? Like, can I hold on to these promises that I signed up for in the beginning? And there's this 24-hour period that's depicted in the Bible, but for some of us, it's been years. Years since a promise had been said by God, but hasn't quite happened. Some of us, it's been decades. And this is a long journey that we are dying to hear anything of proof that the hope we have actually is real. The servant has the best part in this passage. The servant is running up to the father. Your son is healed. And then they began to talk about it. And they figure out that the time that he was healed was the very time that Jesus said, your son will live. That they pinpointed like, oh my gosh, as soon as he spoke the word or broke the bread or You see what I'm saying? That miracle happened in Capernaum so far from the place that Jesus had been standing as he was talking to you people. And who got to share that? It was the servant. It was like Jesus bypassed the father altogether. And the servant came down to share the gospel to the father. And I say the gospel gospel in terms of good news. Because some of us need to hear the gospel that the things we hope to be true are actually true. Because there are people out there who have the the power of the gospel inside. They have seen it happen. And if that is you, you have a, you, you have to tell it. You have to share it because there are the others who need to hear the gospel, who have to be encouraged that the things I hope for are actually true. What would that be like? Because I think that this whole path here between the servant and the father, all of us are someplace on this path. And because of that journey that happened, his entire household believed. The entire household of the official believed. What does that mean? Like, again, think about the king and the kingdom and like his entire household, everyone that he had authority over and was taken care of by him, they believed. It was like Capernaum believed. So all of a sudden, you have this whole territory up here who believes. And then in the prior journey, you got the people down here that have been bypassed forever. They believe. 
And then because of the things that happened in the temple, they believe. And you all of a sudden begin to see this path that is combined, that, that God himself is going up and down of the Jewish territories for the first time ever creating this holy road for those who believe. Do you see what's happening? It's Isaiah 35 is starting to open its eyes. It's starting to hear. It's starting to get up. It's starting to have joy. And people are starting to believe that the things that they had hoped for are actually true. So in Isaiah 32, 4, I said at the beginning, like, this is my favorite passage. And I'm going to get kind of vulnerable a bit. So, so I was born having a speech impediment. It's like, it's the thing I have, you know? And I grew up going to church. And I grew up going to a church that they, at their core, uh, have this idea that God can heal, like God can heal. And so every church service at the end, they invited people to come up for healing. I grew up going every Sunday to church and every time there'd be the call for healing and then the expectation that I had to go up every Sunday service. And every time there would be hope, like he's going to do it this time. And after they would pray for me, they would give me the opportunity to speak, to prove that God healed me. And every time I'd speak and then I would stutter and be embarrassed that I failed the church. I failed my parents. I failed God. And there was something about me that just couldn't be healed. And there would always be the upcoming Sunday, the upcoming Sunday, the upcoming church camp, the upcoming... I did that from the age of five to 13 every single Sunday. And so you think about the hundreds and hundreds of times that I got dragged up front hoping for healing and it never happened. At the age of 13, um, so our family had the opportunity to go to a church camp type of thing for the whole family. And, and at the end, uh, there was this person who I got pulled up to, to be prayed for healing. And every time I would have to say, I have a speech impediment. Could you pray for me that God would heal my tongue? And, and this person, she put her hands here on my head. And I, I felt embarrassed because it's going to happen again. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just really broken. And, and the thing she said was, he will preach to thousands. At that time, I took it like, okay, there will be a time that I'm going to be healed. I've heard this before. I've heard this hundreds of times before. And then I go home. But I put that down on paper. He will preach thousands. I bring up the end here of this sermon to say, I have preached to thousands and I am going to continue to do so. 
that thing that had been spoken had been true. I still have a speech impediment. I value it. It's the thing I have. It's painful. But the promise of God came true. It isn't how I had hoped it came true, but it did come true. And it's been a long, long journey. I have the same prayer for all of you who are caught someplace between here. Because there's a ton of us who are between Cana and Capernaum that are saying, man, it would just be so cool to see some sort of proof that the hope that I have is actually real. And so if that's you, the Jewish people in you have a lot in common because the Old Testament is all about this potency of, yeah, but. It's, it's the, yes, I see you, but there are good things at hand. There is a time that joy will abound, the blind will see, the deaf are going to hear, and there will be a holy road combining this holy territory, and God will establish his king. Like there, you are in really really great company as you pray for hope, begging to be seen by God. And the compassion of Jesus is poured out to those who call upon him. Lord, thank you for seeing us and seeing beyond us. Thank you for talking to the Father and talking to Capernaum. Thank you for seeing him and his heart, and then the end goal of the city and the territory and the Isaiah passages and the prophecies and the breaking of bread and the holy path and the bringing dead things back that shouldn't come back and the signs and the beautiful things that you testify to, that there is hope. Thank you for being a God of hope in a place that it seems like everything is broken. It's, it's hot outside. It's hotter than it should be. There are battles happening and everything is expensive and our families are falling apart. And just give me a sign it's real. Thank you for being a God of hope. Thank you for speaking into the places we are. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for being a God who pursues, for being a God who put on human form and skin and speaks our language. Thank you for giving us the ability to take you at your word. Thank you. In Christ I pray, amen. Hey guys, thank you for continuing to stick around with us. Dudley, thanks for being here. I'm so excited he's here. Yeah. So anytime Dudley's here, it's going to be you really good. You guys think too highly of this, but whatever. You're incredible. You are no, amazing. You guys all we love are Dudley. Incredible. We love you. Pastor Dudley Brown. You too. Okay, so. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you like for the gift that this was. I, I've struggled with this whole series, um, not struggled, but I struggled with the book of John because it is so poetic and you do have to dive deeper. 
um, and you can't take the verse at face value. There's more to it. And all of you guys teaching have done such a good job peeling back those layers and showing us like, this is what Jesus is really saying here. Oh, yeah. So thank you're, you. You're I, welcome. I hope it helps you too. <laughs> I, I just love the, the development of structure and you know, the chiasm that you laid out with the seven signs. Um, we haven't done a lot in the series on the I am's of Jesus, but that's another one of these elements mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. I think take a lot of careful reading and uh, careful thinking mm -hmm. as, you know, we think about who Jesus is. Yeah. Um, but this, this message of the, uh, even the geography showing how, you know, um, there are key places and in those key places there are key events that take place. And the geography relates, I mean, like last week with the Samaritan woman and now this man in Capernaum. And how he bridges mm -hmm. that huge gap yeah. of the outcast. Yes, I didn't realize it was like 48 hours to make the trek. Yep. Uh, that's, that's significant. That shows a lot of passion on his part for his son, but also because he knew the one source he could go to. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to some other source, he went to Jesus. And mm. I think that's what trips us up a lot. We go to lots of places, but we forget mm. the source is Jesus. That's good. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's really helpful. So, uh, structure and geography, uh, all of that is just really helpful. Signs and symbols that come out, uh, re really helpful for me. Um, I mean, I like listening to that and seeing that. Mm. Um, I so. love that when you were... Uh, talking about your message the other day um, and you were talking about the path I, I of course was googling it because this is the first time I've ever actually you know listened to paid attention in this yep. you know passage and um, I w it what it showed was the path that they would take and it's uh, long like yeah. it isn't yeah. just Around like a Samaria. quick little yeah like and, and it was but it was from, from Canaan yeah. to Jerusalem it didn't include uh, Capernaum. Uh -huh. Because Capernaum yeah. is like, eh, that doesn't eh, count. Nobody traveled from On the yeah. other side of the Sea of Galilee. Right. It's yeah. like, they don't count. And it's kind of like he, he, he like brought them in. Like, yeah. it was like, wow. They believe, they believe, yeah. they believe, they believe. And he's just going up and down. Up and down. Yeah. And y'all don't really and like so each other. But it's, it's, <laughs> the, it's the road to holiness you talked about mm -hmm. from Isaiah. Mm -hmm. The road going up and down and people are drawn to the mm -hmm. road because right. that's where Jesus is. Is He's making the mm -hmm. trek from, from north to south and, yep. and then south back to north and people are drawn to him. Yep. So And then we see the microcosms of, you know, the... The blind man eventually mm -hmm. on Bartimaeus, you know, he's on the road and people are on the road and they're coming to meet Jesus. Yeah, and it's just cool, like, that John is intentionally telling the stories of things that are happening to, like, draw these, like, the blind are seeing, mm -hmm. the deaf are hearing, the guy who is crippled, mm. they're dancing. Uh, and yeah. it's this direct is so it isn't like, hey, how cool is this? That it happened. It's like, mm -hmm. no, there's this culture of hope that he's like, it's happening. Yeah, it's developing that. I like that, the expression, the culture of hope, because everywhere he's going, he is, yeah, he's just like bringing hope to hopelessness and 
joy to joy, joylessness mm -hmm. and, and life to those who are, you know, like dead. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really beautiful the way that that all works in this book. I think um, that what, you know, I kind of sat on for a while was when you were talking about that 48-hour period and, you know, in, in the father's mind, that's what he had. He yeah. had 48 hours. And, you know, you think about how much our brains turn and think about something when there's something stressful or something you're waiting for or, you know, a bid on a home even, you know, something that we're experiencing and the, the thought processes that he was going for and all he had was hope. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, to think, like, to get... From Capernaum to Canada, it took him 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So he, he already have traveled that. He's been apart from his son right. who's been on his deathbed. He could be dead. He could for, already yeah. be dead. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, all of those things of, like, it, you don't know. Yeah. And then then Jesus like, go home. I know. What? And, and the only thing that hypothetically could heal him is bringing Jesus. Right. But he took Jesus at his word. Right. word. And That's there's just powerful. something really powerful about, yes, right. Right. I will go home. And the thing that's hanging in the balance, it's his son. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we go back to John 1. In the beginning was the Word. Right. I was trying word, to tie that in there. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly part of yeah. it. And the Word the breaking was of with bread God. And, and the, the word, word of God. Was yeah. God. And that was sufficient. Yeah. The Word mm. of the Lord to that man. But nonetheless, um, the travel back yeah. had to have been excruciating. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, at least in my human thinking, to be yes. traveling back. Um, and yeah. All right. I'm dying to talk to about the point that the servant is coming to tell mm -hmm. tell the yeah. father because there's something in there that's like pretty exciting, right? Like, so yeah. from the standpoint that there's a servant, the household, the family, they all saw the son get better, right? But the father didn't see it happen, right? right? Right, yeah. And so they saw everything happen. And like, I kind of just picture like a celebration and like right. praying to God, like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, so, so the father's like, I don't know. Right. I, don't I don't know. know. What do I believe? And yeah. he's in turmoil. But at his household, there's a party happening. And the servant mm -hmm. is coming to tell the father. Yeah. There's a party happening at home. Right, mm -hmm. right. I don't know. There's something really stinking cool about well, that. Well, yeah. and you even said, I would love for you to unpack this because you're like how, how Jesus even, he like bypassed the father completely. It's like the father's just you people. like yeah. hanging out in the middle. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good question, KJ. I'd like to know what was going on in those hours of traveling and and how it all was unfolding. <laughs> But the servant was coming, and the servant brought the good news to the father that something great was happening back there. Yeah. That's what's been so fun, though, yeah. about this book, because it's John, the book of speculation, right? You yeah. get to make Ooh, up pieces it. of the story based on how you would respond. That's good. Yeah. 
But it's in the text, though. So we're, we, you know, we're yeah. following the text. So that's I agree. Important. Yeah, that's important. says the doctor. <laughs> no, it's important. So it we isn't follow the text. Say like, here's how they. This is how he felt. Yeah. Like, but that's okay. but being a human being, it's we're yeah. gonna ask the question. Yeah. This is how I would experience it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is what we have to ask about the week before the right. sermon, you know, and the week before that, you know, mm. the woman at the well. But mm-hmm. people yeah. do that all the time, but they don't think they're doing it. Right. Kind of like yeah. that part of the passage that typically comes across very sh- shaming, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So to imply exactly. shame, that's right. to put in there, here's how Jesus felt. Yes. Well, right. how do you know that? Exactly. exactly. Good point. You know? Good point. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Where was the inflection? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, and I appreciated at the end just the whole like vulnerability and the application that you know, you take God at his word, but it wasn't quite the way you thought it would be at his word. Mm-hmm. And we, we misunderstand the work of God a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I just felt so like pained for you, you know, mm-hmm. from 5 to 13 every Sunday going mm-hmm. up for healing. And it didn't happen the way you want. Yet you had a much bigger promise above that you would speak to thousands than you are. And that's the primary thing. And God is redemptive and his grace is great. And, and I've been you know. transformed through the journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's the chiasic right. journey, right? right. Like right. The, the goal of he, to be healed, it's to be transformed. And um, yeah. there's yeah. so much value. That f- father who had gone on this journey, right. he had been transformed in all of Capernaum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, an important way to look at it. That it's all about the transforming process that we are in of seeing Jesus for who he is. You know, our Lord, our Savior, the Son of God. And I think being intentional, Alan mentioned, you know, preached a few weeks ago where he even talked about being grateful for the person, personality that we are. Mm -hmm. But in this, it's being grateful for what God is doing in that 48 hours, you know, 48 hours, 10 years, whatever that looks like. But can I be grateful for how God is, you know, weaving me together in this and what I'm learning, even if it doesn't feel like it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you guys. This was good. Hope you guys have a great week.